On a Saturday, but this this calls for it, my friends. Buck O'Neill, the late, great Buck O'Neill, 15 years after his passing, 15 years after he was snubbed for the National Baseball Hall of Fame. Tomorrow, my friends, we may be able to rectify that injustice. And the place to be tomorrow, as we hopefully get that good news, the place to be is going to be at the Negro League's Baseball Museum. And here to tell us everything about it for all of tomorrow's festivities, we got Kiana Sinks. Y'all know Kiana. We've had her on the show many times. She does all the things at the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum, and she's going to give us a nice preview. So without further ado, my friends, Kiana Sinks with the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. And also, just so you know, uh, I found some pretty cool audio that I'm going to play after our interview. It's Buck as only Buck can be. Have a great rest of your weekend, my friends. A good day to be a Kansas City, and yeah, always. Always. Let's get Buck in the hall. Let's do it. My name's Arzel. We'll see ya in the morning. Bye. We were so hopeful in February of 2006. That was the year the Baseball Hall of Fame committee voted against adding Buckle Nill's name to the ever-growing list of players. He accepted it like a man. It's also the same year he died, at the age of 94. But since then, the honors have continued to flow. You, you think about the year that he doesn't go in. He is presented the Presidential Medal of Freedom the highest civilian honor that anyone can receive in this country. That medal now housed in the Negro Leagues Museum, a museum O'Neill helped create, and a place you get only a small taste of his contributions to the sport. When we look at really the totality of Buck's career, seven decades in this sport, you'd be hard-pressed to find anyone who had greater impact on our game than Buck O'Neill. Kiana Sinks back on your KC Morning Show. We used to give titles of what you do at the museum, Kiana, because she just does everything at the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. <laughs> so that's going to be your title now. It's just everything. Kiana Sinks doing everything at the Negro <laughs> Leagues Baseball Museum. How's that? Oh, man, that's awesome. So thanks so much for having me on. 
Tomorrow, Sunday, the Hall of Fame Selection Sunday for the great, the late great Buck O'Neill. Four o'clock, and that's really all I need to say. Kiana, the floor is yours to tell us everything that's going on 15 years later. We can right this wrong. Yeah, no, we, we got an opportunity to to really celebrate, you know, our late chairman and founder for the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum, uh, John Jordan Buck O'Neill. And the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum will host a selection Sunday watch party to see if him and other former Negro leaders will be voted into the National Baseball Hall of Fame. You know, he was our board chair for 16 years before his passing in 2006. You know, the other seven Negro League players that are on the Hall of Fame early baseball ballot uh, joined Buck as John Donaldson. Uh, Buck Fowler, Vic Harris, Grant Home Run, Johnson, Dick Cannonball Redding, George Tubby Scales, um, and then three former Major League players, uh, Bill, Lefty, and Allie. And so these guys, you know, are really incredible. And then l- last but not least, you have the Negro League and Major Leaguer, the great Minnie Minoso, who I've heard Bob Kendrick, our president, talk about as well. And so, you know, whichever way the chip falls from our hearts, we're going to be on, you know, pins and needles. But obviously, you know, everyone's pulling for Buck O'Neill and and what this would mean for not only baseball, but for his museum that he dedicated the last 16 years of his life building here in Kansas City. We know how much this man should be in. He deserves to be in. Everything that he represents should be included in this Hall of Fame. But it's got to be still got to be a little bittersweet. Yeah. Yeah, it's still a little it's still bittersweet. And I think everyone understands, you know, what this moment it will mean and what it what it means to the museum and for us we we just obviously are, are doing what everybody else is doing is just waiting you know but this really could be you know a way to symbolically you know revisit a decision that could be that could be turned for the better I and mean, i think for all buck O'Neill fans um you know it, it would be a moment in time that it, it would be amazing if everything goes in our favor and I think Harsel for, you know, the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum and you look at it, it's, it's full glory now and, and where we are as an institution and what we've done for this community locally and nationally as a, as a national institution, you know, Buck would be proud. You know, there would be no Negro Leagues Baseball Museum if it wasn't for his great leadership and his hand and stewardship over our community and over, you know, over the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum to ensure that these players would be remembered. You know, we, we always hear the story about Bob Kendrick, our president, asking Buck what motivated him to build a Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. And, you know, Bob always, you know, responds and says, Buck, you know, really classic and vintage Buck just said so we could be remembered. And so that's what we have an opportunity to do tomorrow once again, 15 years later, and, and hopefully, you know, the favor um, ends in our favor. Just so many awesome Buck O'Neill stories. I got the pleasure of meeting him back in, I guess it was 03. And just the coolest cat in the game. And those Bob Kendrick stories. And tomorrow at this event, we're going to hear more stories. So what can we look forward to? Who can we expect to hear? Just break everything down for the Selection Sunday Kiana. We have our president, Bob Kendrick, and Kansas City Sports Commission Commission President CEO Kathy Nelson, which they will be hosting a pre-announcement discussion about Buck O'Neill and the other Negro League players that are on the ballot. Um, other special guests are attended to be present with us at the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum as Kansas City World's Hall of Famer and Jackson County Executive Frank White and 1993 World Series hero Joe Carter. You know, we will be surrounded by friends and family of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum and Bob jokes, you know, we, we want to make sure that 
you know, we'll be hugging people and in, in, in excitement and, and, and being joyful and crying or, or we'll be shedding tears for the wrong reason. And so whichever way, we'll be surrounded by people who, you know, love this museum, supports this institution and loves Buck O'Neill and, and obviously cares about the rich history of the Negro Leagues. I mean, Kiana, the legends are going to be in the house tomorrow. You understand that, right? The spirit of Buck O'Neill is going to be in the house Sunday yeah. at the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. <laughs> Yeah, and I think, you know, that that's at the end of the day, that's what you want. You know, I, I, I think, you know, the spirit and, and what this announcement means, you know, it is filled with so much hope and optimism and this spirit of Buck and what which he displayed for so many years. Um, and so that that's that's what you want. Right. Like the same spirit in which he displayed for our community and, you know, symbolically what he displayed when he missed by one vote in 2006, when he spoke on behalf of those other 17 inductees that made it into the Baseball Hall of Fame, but he didn't. And so what courage that must meant for him and for everyone else in, in, in such a time where naturally, you know, as us, we would say we wouldn't go, right? Because my guy didn't get in. But Buck, you know, classic Vince's Buck and just the, his kindness and the grace and just him as a person and a human being and, and the, the courage that he displayed to be able to go there to Cooperstown and stand in front of thousands of people um, and speak on behalf of these other inductees. And then you think about the story in which we told, we tell at the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum in 2006 when we had like we're going to do tomorrow, hundreds of people, you know, gathered waiting for this announcement when he was physically here with us. It really, for me, Carson, when you take a step back, I feel like I'm in the twilight zone right now uh, and really reliving this moment, you know, through through Bob, through our institution and through everything that is happening uh, for our community. And so it, it'll be a, it'll be a remarkable day um but naturally buck o'neill you know th th whichever way the chip falls uh this is his house and his, his legacy will continue to remain at the Negro leagues baseball museum what's coming up at the museum anything we can we can promote we can plug tomorrow should not be the first and last time that folks show up to the museum it should be the first of many <laughs> or coming back again you know so what else can we be looking forward to at the museum yeah no there's some other like really fun things for the Negro leagues baseball museum when we think about the u.s mint coin that was just unveiled last month um, with the Federal Reserve and with the U.S. Mint. This really has a lot of financial significant impacts positively if we are able to successfully um, sell all three coins for the museum, which will potentially bring $6 million. And so when you start thinking about the long-term permanence in the community and not having that endowment that we are working on that that that's a huge thing and so it, it, for next year you're looking at january we don't know the details in terms of which gold silver and clap the coins will cost and all those things yet but the the designs are out there for people to go visit on the u.s mint page and they're so beautiful um and so whenever that information is available people will have an opportunity to buy them and then also we'll have a ceremony next year in 2022 at the negro leagues baseball museum once the coins are striped and and, and ready and available and so uh, there is a lot of exciting things happening next year for the museum and obviously if sunday goes in our favor you, you add a hall of fame kansas city the cooperstown celebration nationally for our late chairman and just a lot of exciting things with the kansas city royals as well that will be supporting us and and last but not least you know next year marks the 75th anniversary of the, the breaking of the color barrier uh for baseball and so the museum you know with jackie robinson obviously his start with the kansas city monarchs you know what what a pivotal place 
Kansas City, outside the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum, we have as a greater civic um, platform to tell that story about how Kansas City was a part of the catalyst for social change in America. And so that will earmark next year on Jackie Robinson Day launching, which the museum will be launching a new traveling exhibition that is on display right now at the museum called Barrier Breakers, which chronicles every player after Jackie who broke their prospective team's color barrier. Because it did not get easy after Jackie, you know, broke his for the Los Angeles Dodgers. And so we want to be sure that we can tell all the other guys who were able to um, have the courage to stand during a time in America where they weren't accepted. And so those are just some some few things that are coming up, but we have some exciting things. And I, and I think just obviously Sunday would be a start of that. But whichever way, I think there's still so many opportunities for the community and for our partners and, and just people who love the, the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum to rally and champion behind. Kiana, this museum is having a moment, yeah? And this Sunday, the Hall of Fame selection Sunday for the late, great Buck O'Neill. He's always been Major League. He's always been a Hall of Famer to us. Hopefully on Sunday, the rest of the world understands the greatness that is of Buck O'Neill. Yeah, I, I think that's it. I mean, you said it. I mean, it, we, we've always known it, you know, the validation of, of what Buck meant to our community, to this museum, and and just the continuation of everything that he has sacrificed for Kansas City. We, we owe Buck O'Neill a great, great debt of what he was able to do, not only for the game of baseball, but for Kansas City. Tomorrow, 4 o'clock at the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. Kiana, thank you for everything you do. You're just the best, and we'll see you, <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Kansas City. Going straight to one place, right to Kansas City. The KC Morning Show. manager for the Kansas City Monarchs and the first black coach in Major League Baseball. Please welcome a true baseball pioneer, Buck O'Neill. Buck! Good to hear. Thank you for being here. I don't. I don't mean yeah, to uh, embarrass you. Do you mind if I ask how old a man you are, sir? Eighty-four. Eighty-four no, years no, old. No, I made it six. Eighty-six years old. I old. forgot a few years. A I made it six. Eighty-six. And you started uh, playing baseball at what age? How old a man were you? How old a kid were 12? you? Twelve. Twelve. Twelve years old. Now, how does that happen? Because in twelve years old, now the kids are playing, you know, little league baseball. Oh, well, in my ball. daddy was a baseball player, and I followed them around, mm -hmm. watching them play, and I always had good hands. See. And the old men would throw me the ball, and I would catch it. And I was a ham, you know. I enjoyed that. Yeah. Where were you when you started playing professional? Caribbean, Florida. Oh, professional. Yeah. Oh, professionally, I'm with the Kansas. I know the Memphis Red Sox. Mm -hmm. And how did that? This is when you were 12. No, no. Well, you say professionally. Well, you started playing professional baseball when you were 12. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, I started playing professional baseball with the Memphis Red Sox. I see. When how I how old were you then? I got to be 23. Oh, so, oh, I see. Well, I got it all screwed up then. Well, I'm sorry. Right. I, I thought you started playing professional ball when you were 12. Well, no wonder. That's no, I wasn't that good. <laughs> but I was good. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, were you recruited by the team? Did they scout you? How did they know about you? 
Well, and I, I played all over the country before I got to the Kansas City Monarchs. So, but I played with the team in Shreveport, Louisiana, the Shreveport Acme Giants, and they were like a farm team to the Monarchs. Mm -hmm. So the Monarchs trained the next spring in Shreveport, and I was on that team. So they saw me, they liked me, and said, we're going to give you a job. Let's go. Let's play. Yeah. Now, uh, this, this was in the, uh, uh, the years of the, the Negro Leagues. That's right. And they existed simultaneously with the, uh, Major, the League. Major Leagues, which did not allow white players in those days. And uh, they had like 10 teams, 12 teams, played all over the country. Well, they had eight teams in the, in the Negro American League, eight teams in the Negro National yeah. League. And what was, the, was uh, the, the quality of play? I mean, how did, if, if, if a Negro League team would play like the New York Yankees, how would that go in those days? Well, in, on my day, when we played the New York Yankees today, I think we might have beaten them. Really? And we played that day. We know we played Major League All-Star. Mm -hmm. We won the majority of the games from the Negro at the Major League All-Star. But it wasn't that we were better than the Major League All-Stars, but the fact is uh, uh, the Major League All-Stars were actually just making a payday. But we had to prove, we were trying to prove to the world that uh, they weren't superior mm -hmm. because they were white. Right. And we weren't inferior because we were black. Yeah. We had a point to prove. So we would stretch that single into a double, yeah. that double into a triple, that triple into a home run. Did you, uh, and, and you, tell, tell us about Jackie Robinson. Oh, outstanding individual. And, uh, Jackie was so different than we were because we were acclimated to segregation. But now Jackie, Jackie came to the Monarchs in 1945. We've been going to a filling station in Oklahoma for 20 years, the Monarchs. We'd never gone to the restroom because on the door it said, for white men only. So Jackie's there and we go to the, we played that night in this town and uh, the next day, we go to the filling station to get some gas. The man put the hose in the tank. So, oh, you boys were wonderful as usual. They filled the park up. Good to see you. Jackie got off the bus, started walking to the restroom. He said, boy, where are you going? He said, I'm going to the restroom. He said, boy, you know you can't go to that restroom. Jackie said, take the hose out the tank. <laughs> now, the man thought then, because we got a 50-gallon tank on this side. We got a 50-gallon tank on that other side. He's not going to sell that much gas, you know, to one customer right. until we got back there again. You know what he said? You boys can go to the restroom, but don't stay long. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Comes down to economics a lot of times, of course, doesn't it? Of course, but, but the, gist of that, the gist of that story is this. From that day on, we never got gas at the station. We couldn't go to the restroom. Yeah. We never played in a town that they didn't have a place for us to stay and to eat. Jackie said, listen, you're playing, you're making money for these people. This is a capitalistic society. You don't have to take these things. Thank you, Jackie. Mm -hmm. It's hard to imagine, isn't it? It must be very difficult to imagine or to even pretend to imagine uh, what that was like before Jackie Robinson came to the major leagues uh, and, and the struggle that was his and, and everybody's really in mm -hmm. the sport uh, during the time that the transition was, was being mm -hmm. handled. Um, but it, I mean, I guess we'll never see anything like that again, thank God. See, when, 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 when Branch Ricky signed Jackie Robinson to that contract, that was the beginning of the modern-day civil rights movement. That was before Brown versus Topeka. Martin Luther King was a sophomore at Mohouse at the time. Miss mm -hmm. Rosa Parks hadn't, you know, 
decided not to get off that bus. Mm -hmm. That was the beginning of the modern-day civil rights movement. And, and as, a, as a man who was making his living playing uh, ball in, in the Negro Leagues at the time, uh, did, did you think that that was being done the right way? Were you happy? Were you pleased with how that was being facilitated? Did, oh, that, did that satisfy you more or less? Oh, yes, yes. Oh, man, it made all of us feel good because, yeah. listen, when Ruth Foster organized the Negro Leagues in 1920, he was thinking, thinking uh, during that period that the American League would take a black, guy, a black team and the National League would take a black team. This is what he was thinking. He was thinking this in 1920. Mm -hmm. So now it's finally happening in 1947. Yeah. But hallelujah, it's finally happening. There's hope for everybody. Yeah. And you have the, uh, the, uh, the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum in Kansas City, Missouri. And what is your, you're the founder, you're the curator. What do you do there? Well, and right now, I'm the chairman of the board. Chairman of the board. You know, you. yeah, you know, because I'm old. See, they put the old man <laughs> chairman. I'm the chairman of the board. And, and it's, uh, it's open for, to the public and yeah. when they're in Kansas City for, for a ball game or whatever, they should uh, drop You've by. You've got to come. And, and it's amazing the people coming, the, the Major League Baseball players. Yeah. When they come to Kansas City, they want to see the museum. Come on, Buck, take me to the museum. It's what do, wonderful. What do you think you guys playing today? Is there anybody you see playing today that kind of reminds you of you or the fellows you played with? Ken Griffey. Yeah. He could play. Yeah. yeah. Can play. A lot of guys. One thing about it is, you know, people were saying, now, since I'm an old man, they say, well, you think that they couldn't play like we play. What do you mean? They're better. You understand what mm -hmm. I mean? They're bigger. Yeah. They're quicker. They're right. faster. Yes. The only difference is this. The difference in my era, the best athlete in the world played baseball. The best white athlete in the world played Major League Baseball. Mm -hmm. The best black athlete in the world played Negro League Baseball for the simple reason that uh, football, basketball was more or less mm -hmm. uh, uh, college sports. Right. Baseball then And to really make a living professionally, you played baseball. Yeah. So we had to pick it together. That was the showcase. That's supply. Yeah, the supply was actually greater than the demand. It's just the opposite now. The demand is greater than the supply. We can't get enough. Good ball player. Yeah. It's a great pleasure to meet you, and I hope to come see your museum one day. Please do. Thank you very much, Buck. Yeah. Buck O'Neill. You're listening to the KC Morning Show.